Togen's Genjo Koan begins, When all dharmas are Buddha dharma, there are enlightenment, delusion, practice, life, death, Buddhas, and creatures. When the 10,000 dharmas are without self, there are no delusion, no enlightenment, no Buddhas, no creatures, no life, no death. The Buddha way transcends being and non-being. Therefore, there are life and death, delusion and enlightenment, creatures and Buddhas. Nevertheless, flowers fall with our attachment and weeds spring up with our aversion. In a way, this whole paragraph could begin in reverse. Flowers fall with our attachment and weeds spring up with our aversion. Then we can say when all Buddhas, when all Dharmas, and so on. There are many levels where how this can be clarified. And there are good reasons for various different ways, depending upon who and what we are and what the time and place is. When all dharmas are Buddha dharma, when, in a way, is saying, when it's so for us, otherwise we could say, as all dharmas are Buddha dharma, as all dharmas are Buddha dharma. Now, explaining this, in a way, takes us away, takes us away from the realization for ourselves. That's the when. Nevertheless, I'll explain. All dharmas are Buddha dharma means all is nothing but the manifestation of the Buddha's awakening. But we can go in another direction as well. All dharmas are Buddha dharma in an explanatory way is all dharmas are this ongoing changing, we say, impermanence that is who we are. And that is what creates trouble for us if we are entangled and caught in likes and dislikes, entangled and caught in what we want or don't want, which is often our condition. And we notice it. 
we notice how we bump into this ongoing changing. Bump into it, as I said last night, in terms of holding to fears or regrets, various other judgments and ways of entangling ourselves, ways of refusing to do, be, as we are right now, and creating harming suffering. And nevertheless, when is making the point, when it's so for us that all dharmas are this ever-changing, then it follows that each and every condition that we encounter is nothing but our life, enlightenment, delusion, practice, life, death, Buddhas, creatures, all these in a sense that can be juxtaposed, but they're not juxtaposed. When all dharmas are Buddha dharma, each of these is just the whole of the universe that we are at this moment. And you'll see as the Genjo Koan continues, Dogen elaborates on this first paragraph throughout the Genjo Koan to help us clarify for ourselves this matter of life, death, creatures, Buddhas, and all the other. When we are this ongoing changing, then it's very clear, in a way, the next step, when all dharmas are without self. Without self is the way it is, is, you can say, another side of this ongoing changing, this Buddha Dharma in all direction. Naturally, it's without self, because self, at least the way we use the word, is a self of some fixidity. I made up that word, I suppose. Some fixedness, some permanence, some story we have about what self is and isn't, what so-called our self is, what so-called other people's self is. And from that naturally flows, he should be that way, she shouldn't be that way, she should, and from that flows even more naturally, suffering and harming because we regret, we're fearful, we like, we don't like, which is what Joko is emphasizing when we start the four practice principles as caught, 
and self-centered dream, holding to self-centered thought. She's making it clear to us what's going on, not that we don't know it. We know suffering, harming, unsatisfactoriness, stressfulness. We know that. And we know it not because anyone told it to us, but because that is what seems to be aspects of our life. And that is exactly what we can say the Buddha is addressing when he says, I teach cause of suffering and an end to suffering. He's clarifying this suffering, stress. Of course, there's different ways to translate a Sanskrit word into English, and there's different facets to each of these. But what's most important is how it seems to us, because that's what impels us to be willing to do this strange thing called practice, this strange thing called sitting upright, called sashin. We do it because we know there's something not okay with suffering. We know that there's something going on here that I want otherwise. This is exactly why the Buddha emphasizes I teach suffering and an end to suffering. And then you could say, first aspect is the impermanence. Second aspect, or impermanence, the ongoing changing. And from that flows naturally this non-self. This non-self which therefore allows us to freely be the self of each moment. The self of each encounter of whoever I encounter is nothing but myself. Therefore, I can respond, if you want to say, lovingly, fine. If you could want to say, respond without any hesitancy, great. If you want to say, this is just being absorbed as this zazening, as this moment, as this experiencing, wonderful. Absorption is being just this moment. Being this moment. So, in one sense, when all dharmas are Buddha Dharma, when all dharmas are without self, in a way you could say they're two perspectives. And yet, in a way, That's not quite adequate because one builds on the other. One builds on the other. Not because it logically follows or we figure it out, but because of, what should I say, in our natural practice, there's a natural support of one for the other. Sure, we can call them 
facets, I would say two sides of the coin, but of course the next step is going to pull away sides. The next step. The Buddha way transcends being and non-being. Being the whole universe, wonderful. Non-being Right now, whatever I encounter, exactly this, if you want to use stinky words or words that we can misinterpret, empty, fullness is another side of empty. It's all together just here. But this all together just here is what allows us to live fully, if we want to say, in the joyousness of who we are, fully absorbed as this moment, because we don't mistaken our attachments for reality. We don't mistaken memories or projections as anything more than that. Yes, they arise because of cause-effect, we could say. They arise because of the life circumstances that we don't have to figure out, yet being human, all sorts of attachments come with the humanness. Entangling in them is what creates trouble. It's not their arising that creates trouble. It's the fact that we believe them and act out on them and want them to be what our life is because we then have this imagination of what's going to be that will be happy because of them. Of course, we don't find it. As soon as you get your ice cream, maybe even before you finish it, you're thinking, well, should I have gotten two scoops instead of one? Maybe another flavor. What about afterwards? It really feels great, but what am I going to follow it with? How about if I add some chocolate, uh, not chocolate sauce before I'm done, or maybe some nuts? Or maybe for a little bit dissatisfied. But the Buddha way being beyond. Then we live our life. And what is living our life? This is flowers fall, flowers spring up, flowers bloom. And flowers fall. We cherish, privilege the flowers blooming. We're not willing to have the flowers falling. Think of it. When we make a flower arrangement, naturally we want the flowers blooming. Naturally. It seems that way to us, of course. That's just the way it is. But the flowers falling, I'm not going to leave that up there anymore. Drooping, falling, and attachments spring up with the flowers falling. Attachments are just natural weeds, if we say it that way. 
and the consequences of that, whether we call them suffering, harming, or simply aversion, aversion, A-V-E-R-S-I-O-N instead of I won't say instead of, just not liking. That's another aspect of liking. If you have likes, you're going to have dislikes. You won't have any dislikes to deal with if you don't have hold on to likes. But we don't see that very often, or we're not willing to be that very often. Because we miss the fact that dislikes, oh, that's all dharmas are Buddha Dharma. That's exactly all dharmas without self. That's exactly going beyond, so to speak, being and non-being. Now, it's easy to talk about flowers. It's much more difficult to talk about this in terms of the various aspects of our life. I shouldn't say difficult to talk about. It's much more difficult to live and practice this. And in a sense, that's what Dogen's going to do the rest of this fascicle, this, um, what should I call it? this writing of his. So let me skip ahead to the end just to read it to you. I don't want to talk about it at this point. But So in a sense, he has the book ends, the first part, and then at the end, he has this small paragraph. Priest Pauchi of Maku Shan was fanning himself. A monk approached him and asked, Sir, the nature of wind is permanent, and there's no place it does not reach. Why, then, must you still fan yourself? Now, of course, in one sense, he's talking about wind, but in another sense, he's talking about what Dogen is talking all along from the very beginning, the nature of our life. If you want to call it Buddha Dharma, call it that. So Pauchi responds to him, Although you understand the nature of wind is permanent, or if you want to say Buddha nature, Buddha Dharma pervades the whole universe. Even though you understand that, you do not understand the meaning of its reaching everywhere. What is the meaning of its reaching everywhere, asked the monk. The master just fanned himself. The monk bowed with deep respect. In a sense, this is a bookend to the opening bookend. Always this fundamental point of clarifying, if I say, this nirvana that we are, and yet 
which we need to clarify because we miss for various reasons, because we entangle and bang ourselves and others in various ways with this. So, this session is the opportunity to be this practice of experiencing, of, if we want to say, just sitting, of zazenin, of being who we are, and taking care of what needs to be taken care of as it arises, as our life. Okay, I'll stop here, and maybe we could talk about this together. I assume